Welcome into the show. Today we are re-ranking the 2022 rookie class. I guess they're sophomores now. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a spin to it, right? Uh, we're going to be drafting these players, kind of based on where we see their dynasty value going. I'm Alfredo Brown. I'm joined by Dave Kluge. And I believe that's Joey Wright's music because we have a brand new... You like my little like wrestling homage? I do, I like it. And I hope yeah. you're going to put music in for me because I'll make it even better. Oh, no, definitely not. That's way too much work. But we got <laughs> Joey Wright jumping in on the pod. Joey, we're super excited that you're joining the team here, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be with football guys. Thank you to Dave. And uh, thank you, Alfredo. Thank you, Joe. Um, super excited to be on the team. Ready to talk about some football. All right. So what we're going to do, instead of like making a consensus board and say, oh, these are our rankings, I feel like a really fun way to do this and just kind of like plant your flag and have a little bit more discussions and have definitely some disagreements because I know we're going to have disagreements here is let's turn this into a, like a little bit of a draft as if we are redrafting this rookie class as to where we see their dynasty value going. And I kind of wanted to do a dynasty angle here because listen, the only people listening or watching a fantasy football show in the middle of February are the <laughs> dynasty degenerates. Okay. So we're going to play to them for a little bit. Yeah. All right. So we're going to use this, uh, the rankings from the Football Guys Dynasty rankings on the website. All right. Now let's get into round one. Dave, at the 101, you are up. Who are you taking? You know, I don't think I'm going to have to defend this one too hard. I'd be surprised if I get a lot of pushback here. But right now, Brees Hall is the RB1 on just about any set of rankings list that you're going to be able to find out there. Prior to his injury, he was looking like arguably the best running back in the NFL. I know it's a really dangerous game to remove games from a sample size, but Hall was only a part-time player for the first few weeks of the season. And then in week seven, he got knocked out in the first quarter with a torn ACL. So really what we're looking at is a sample size of three games where he was seeing over 55% of the snaps and playing what we consider to be a full-time player. And in those three games, he was averaging 21.2 PBR fantasy points per game, which would have been the second most in the league behind only Austin Eckler. I mean, this guy was giving us absolutely elite production at one of the toughest positions to find. Still just 21 years old, too. We are looking at years and years and years of RB1 potential from Brees Hall. Now, I know there are some concerns with an ACL tear, but he's young. He is a freak athlete. Might be looking at a slow start to the 2023 season, but long-term, I have no concerns whatsoever. I think anybody besides Brees Hall at 101 is just probably getting a little bit too cute. Now, I want to take a little bit of extra time here with Brees Hall because you mentioned the ACL, right? And Joey, I know this wasn't your pick, but let's kind of like, let's get a read of the room here, right? How do we all feel about Brees Hall with this ACL, the change in offensive court, everything going on in New York? Like they don't, I guess technically, maybe they have a quarterback kind of with Zach Wilson right now. Like, what, what's your your temperature gauge? Is this is this Brees Hall like, across the board number one running back for this class, number one player for this class, and you're 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 cool with him going forward? Oh, absolutely! In Dynasty, he's my number one running back. There's no doubt about it. And next season, I believe he's my number three running back that I have ranked. I, I love Brees Hall next year. I don't think it's going to take too long. We were talking before the show that he before I, he's back up and running again. Um, so I have no concerns really with Brees Hall at all. The only thing I'm a little worried about is how much of a share they're going to give Michael Carter. Because even when they were both playing great last year, they were still almost at a 50-50. It's more like 60-40. I do think that'll slide off, though. So but before people like are rolling their eyes, like, oh, we're doing this again, the Michael Carter thing. Like, Joey, you actually bring up a good point. Because new offensive coordinator for the Jets, Nathaniel Hackett, he has been a big-time uh, committee the running back by committee guy and almost every team is a running back by committee team. 
but he's been doing this a lot more. And I know we had a lot of frustrations with Javante Williams early in the season last year with, with the Broncos because of Melvin Gordon getting so much work. And for years it was Aaron Jones and, and Jamal Williams going back and forth. And it, it, even go back to his days with the Jaguars, Nathaniel Hackett has always done this. So I would not be surprised if we start to see a little bit of work go to, let's say, Bam Knight, Michael Carter, just to keep Brees Hall healthy for a while. And I think what you're going to see, most people should see this, is, is Brees Hall value dip at the beginning of the season. And then that might be, Dave, what you kind of alluded to is the perfect time to buy and, and really cash in on Brees Hall long term. Because by the end of next year, this could be really, really looking good for Brees Hall and the Jets. All right, let's get to our second pick. And Joey, well, you're the new guy here. I probably should have given yeah. you the first pick, but you know, uh, we, we gave you the second pick. So tell us who you took with the 102. Yeah, I took Ken Walker the third. It wasn't very tough. Uh, last year's PPR RB18. I uh, finished with nine touchdowns on the season and zero fumbles. Love to see that from a rookie running back. Um, second most red zone rushing attempts in the league among all running backs, not just rookies. 73.8% um, of his team's red zone carries as well. Um, total stud end of the season with three 100 yard rushing games in a row. Um, and looking at the other rookie running backs, he was only one of two rookies to rush for over 1000 yards on the season. Uh, in fact, he led all rookie running backs in total yardage on the season. And even though Garrett Wilson won offensive rookie of the year, he actually had the most first place votes. Um, the thing I love most about him though, is he is explosive. He had the third most breakaway runs. So that's runs over 50 uh, 15 yards plus he had 17 of them he's just an explosive player um in 2023 um he's gonna lead this backfield uh dj dallas is the only running back on under contract with seattle currently uh and but seattle they do have quite a bit of cap space and they still could bring back penny but i'm not exactly sure if they will or not joey you are out here you're stirring up arguments because you just talked about Ken Walker getting more first place votes in offensive rookie year than Garrett Wilson. And I know Dave feels some sort of way about it, but I'm going to let Dave just kind of like sit there and stew because I'm up with my third pick and this is going to really piss him off. Dave, just <laughs> hold it all in, hold it all in until you're ready to just explode on us. Okay. Because with my third pick, I took Chris Olave, the wide receiver for the new Orleans saints. And I know what I didn't take the offensive rookie of the year. Well, listen up. Okay, let me learn you something here about my boy Chris Olave. All right. Now, Chris Olave last year, he was averaging 13.1 PPR points. Guess what, Dave? That's more than Garrett Wilson. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the Saints likely going to be without Michael Thomas next year, who is a big cut candidate. Uh, Jarvis Landry, his contract is up. Alvin Kamara now has some legal issues where we don't know what direction that's going to go. And honestly, the efficiency has been kind of dipping there with Alvin Kamara. In 2022, Olave was 15th in the NFL in target share, third in air yards share. Basically what I'm saying there when I use all these fancy terms is that he was getting targeted a lot and he was getting targeted for deep, big-time plays. Okay, This wasn't a guy that was just getting a little underneath routes and falling afterwards. Now, I, I know we're going to have a little talk here about Chris Olave versus Garrett Wilson, but I kind of wanted to, let me, counselor, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to present my argument first and then I'll let you take the floor. Okay, Because between Olave and Wilson, both of these guys, Four touchdowns in the season. Both of them averaged eight targets per game. And both of them had three games with 100-plus receiving yards. Now, when it came to who was better in some other categories, Alave had a better catch rate than Garrett Wilson. Not necessarily indicative of a better fantasy player, but he also had more receiving yards per game. 
He had more fantasy points per game. Like, let's just get down to the meat and potatoes of it. More fantasy points per game. His target per route run, nearly 26%. It was top 10 in the NFL. Second only behind Drake London, who that's kind of crazy. I didn't realize he had done that well in terms of targeting. Um, And after the first seven weeks of the season, we kind of saw a shift here with Garrett Wilson, which led to him getting the offensive rookie of the year. And this, these are kind of the things that I'm worried about with the jets and Dave, I'm sure you'll touch more upon this with Garrett Wilson, but the jets, this is something I said a lot last year. I'll continue to say it here in the off season until we have a little more information. The jets are a team without an identity still, in my opinion, they don't have a quarterback. Are they going to be a run heavy team with Brees Hall and Nathaniel Hackett and all these other running backs? Are they going to be a pass heavy team? Do they get Aaron Rodgers? Does Elijah Moore get more involved? I, I, I just, I don't know. So I'd rather lean towards the guy in Chris Olave that could become the entire identity of his offense in the New Orleans Saints. And honestly, if they get Derek Carr, not saying he's a Hall of Famer like we saw on Twitter today, but I think that you could see a really big kind of Devontae Adams-like breakout that he had in Las Vegas for Chris Olave in New Orleans. All right, Dave, I'm done. I'm done. So go ahead, pick four. I'm just going to spoil it. Garrett Wilson, go. Rip me to shreds. Yes, and I'm not going to rip you to shreds. I mean, these are both amazing players. I don't think you can go wrong with either of them, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, but I do give the edge to Garrett Wilson. So I would have been totally content getting Chris Olave here at 104, but more than happy to get the guy that I prefer ever so slightly. I mean, we already talked about it, but he was the offensive rookie of the year. Funny enough, I think the guy that I took 101 should have been offensive rookie of the year, even despite the ACL tear. I mean, hey, Brock Purdy's going to be a finalist. I think we got to throw Brees Hall in the discussion as well, but I won't go off on a tangent there. (laughs) Really what we're looking at with... uh, Chris uh, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, he led all rookies in yards, targets, receptions. His 24.9% target share ranked 21st best in the NFL. Now, Chris Olave did have the edge there, but when you look at the offense, there are so many more playmakers in New York that it makes sense that it's going to be a little bit more difficult for Garrett Wilson to pull those targets. Now, we can talk about what the Saints offense looks like and what the Jets offense looks like, but we don't have to compare these guys in different offenses and different ecosystems. All we have to do is look back two years ago when Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were on the same team and Garrett Wilson had more catches, had more yards, had a better depth of target. The only thing that Chris Olave had the edge in was touchdowns where he outperformed him 13 to 12. So when these guys were teammates on the same team, Garrett Wilson was the better wide receiver. So we can look at all the external factors of being on different teams in the NFL, but I just think that Garrett Wilson is the slightly better player player there were some concerns that he wasn't going to be big enough to play you know just around 185 pounds coming into the league but man he passed the eye test with flying colors last year he was winning routes all over the field he was getting yards after the catch he was you know making spectacular contested catches he's got nfl speed where he was just able to blow past defenses i mean this guy looks like a superstar in the making like i said i have him and olave in the same tier i don't have an exceptionally strong take on one or the other i love them both but i do prefer wilson ever so slightly so I, I tweeted something uh, about like my, my research that i did here on garrett wilson and i had someone slide into my dms and they're like do you have a strong take on this man Huh? You're out here really sporting Chris Olave. I was like, no, I don't have a strong take, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, like it's slightly better. I mean, even the numbers will tell you. Like, there's really you can't go wrong with either of these two guys. Joey, at pick five, you are up, and you took a guy that I actually really loved last year. Who'd you take at the 105? Yeah, I, I was kind of glad you guys went. The uh, you went Olave and Wilson because I went Drake London. Um, he was actually the first wide receiver taken in the 22 draft. Although I think third in this draft is right where he belongs. Um, because I do think Alave and Wilson are better uh, as far as their s- situations next season. Uh, he finishes a wide receiver 31 in PPR, um, and third among rookies and targets. Um, he had a great start to the season, two games into the season. It looked like London was the guy, 13 receptions, 
160 yards and a touchdown. Um, then, but then it wasn't until week 13 before we saw London with a game with over 75 receiving yards. Um, and it wasn't until Kyle Pitts tore his MCL that London really got to shine. Um, and then he averaged 9.6 targets per game and 29.3 target share on the season was padded by that five game stretch without Kyle Pitts. Uh, and the rapport that he's built with Desmond Ritter can't be understated. Um, you know, the Falcons are most likely going to cut Marcus Mariota because the Falcons will save $12 million if they do so by June 1st. Um, and they could always sign a veteran running uh, quarterback. Um, he does have a fumbling problem, though. He led all wide receivers in fumbles last season. But that's like the only bad thing I really see with Drake London. I really thought last year we were going to see like this Twin Towers type offense with Pitts and London. And I don't think that's out of the question to happen this year for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, not with Marcus Mariota at quarterback, Chief. That no, wasn't, that wasn't no. going to happen. So, okay, I think this is something like a lot of us experience, especially being in the fantasy industry, right? The Kyle Pitts conundrum last year. And, Joey, you talk about Kyle Pitts as being a guy that, like, you know, it really, Drake London saw more options or saw more opportunity when Kyle Pitts was hurt. But then, mm-hmm. like, how do you, how comfortable are you guys with these two players going forward? Let's say they get a, a Lamar Jackson, a Derek Carr. Or, or, or they're back with Desmond Ritter, right? Like, we, we got a whole bunch of different options here. Um, wh- where's the comfort level with you? Who, who's really the alpha on this team? Because we saw, even when Kyle Pitts was in there, it's like Arthur Smith hates him or something. So, Dave, I'll, I'll throw this to you first. Like, where, where's your comfort level with, with Drake London and Kyle Pitts? Well, first of all, did you just insinuate that Lamar Jackson and Derek Carr are on the in the in the same tier here? Because I think those are two very different conversations. Sir, sir, Twitter have. has told me that Derek Carr could be a first ballot Hall of Famer if he goes to the Jets. Okay, that's what yeah. I've been that's what I've been led to believe. He will be inducted the same year as Jimmy Garoppolo, and we will be cheering <laughs> him on. But uh, but no, I mean, I think that would be the best case scenario, and that's why in Dynasty you don't want to focus too much on situations because we see situations change so quickly. So right now there are people that are fading Drake London and Kyle pits because of the uncertainty of quarterback but like you said things can change at the drop of a dime so that's why when playing dynasty especially when you're playing dynasty and trying to make trades and do things in february don't think twice about the situation because things are going to change quickly they could move up in the draft and end up with cj stroud possibly or bryce young and really elevate this offense you talked about the potential for trading uh, you know, sign and trade with Lamar Jackson, bringing in Aaron Rodgers. There's so many different ways that this can go that I think you just got to bet on the talent. And Drake London and Kyle Pitts are both exceptional talents. Even if it takes them a few years to really reach their ceiling, it's still a smart investment to make right now. Yeah, I think if you're one of those people that believes that, you know, talent leads to targets, I think Drake London kind of showed you that leading all rookie wide receivers in target per route run. And I think that's something that, Man, like you can only go so long the way the Falcons did, running the ball the way they did, uh, running that offense the way they did. And then for Drake London to be targeted so often, not catching these touchdowns, like something's got to give. And Dave, I think you, you touched on it there. Like you, you hit the nail on the head, man. Bet on talent when you're looking at dynasty value. Drake London's got a ton of it. So nice pick from Joey there. Let's get to my pick at pick number six. And man, I took my guy and I will, man, I'm going to be with him till he's out of the league in hopefully 20 years and inducted into the hall of fame. And it's Jamison Williams wide receiver for the Detroit lions. And 
listen, this, there's not much to go off of here. This is a projection, okay? This is a guy who had a, a fantastic prospect profile for the year that he broke out at Alabama. Uh, minimal action as a rookie. He was my wide receiver rookie one in the class last year. I know a little controversial, but I absolutely loved his film. And I think that for a lot of draft analysts, he was the rookie wide receiver one until he tore his ACL in that national championship. And he was just kind of like the forgotten guy. Like there was, there was everyone else up in the top cluster. And then Jamison Williams was the injured guy. Um, Something that I really loved is the way that the Lions kind of took their time with him. They're protecting that injury. They traded up like they traded up pretty high from 32 to 12 to go get Jamison Williams. They value this guy a lot. And uh, Dave, you have one of my favorite tweets of the whole offseason on Jamison Williams. It's just he had three touches last year. A 41-yard touchdown reception, a 40-yard end-around rushing play, and a 66-yard touchdown reception called back on a penalty. So, yeah, maybe the guy is pretty good. All right, he had an average depth of target that was 19.2 yards, mm -hmm. most among all starting wide receivers in 2023. Uh, the problem is it's just such a small sample size, eight targets. Yeah. So I know that everything I'm giving you guys here and everything I'm giving to our audience right now is all projection, right? But I, I think there is legitimate reason to be excited about Jamison Williams going into this next year. And man, Jared Goff led a, a pretty solid Lions offense. And, and I think uh, Jamison and Amonra St. Brown complement each other pretty well as wide receivers and uh joey i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this to you we don't have much to go off on jameson williams uh wh where's your confidence level give me like a one out of ten where's your confidence level with jameson williams uh for where he's being drafted i'll say an eight I, I think you know what you guys brought up the three touches he had they were monster plays but i think he exceeded his expectations with those three plays and it's not hard to lower your expectations back down to pretty much where they were um, so he's someone I want on my team, especially in Dynasty. Love him. And I honestly, I think Jared Goff's a really good fit in Detroit, and I think they can do some really great things together. Yeah, I think he's going to, Jamison Williams is going to be a lot of fantasy analyst sleeper going into next year. Yeah. And if the Lions, they have two first round picks, I'm not mistaken, right? If they go and they take one of those young developmental quarterbacks, like I've seen an Anthony Richardson or something, mm -hmm. oh man, Jamison is going to be flying to the moon. All right, Dave, you're up at pick 107. Who'd you take? Now, I'll just throw it out there. I'm taking Traylon Burks. And I, I just want to talk about what a wild ride his value has been. Uh, you know, I, I like to use keeptradecut.com. They do a great job of crowdsourcing dynasty rankings. And they also give you the ability to track ADP and dynasty rankings over time. And Traylon Burks was the wide receiver 14 in dynasty after the NFL draft. By the time the season kicked off, he was the wide receiver 34. By December... He was the wide receiver 18, and then he dipped down to wide receiver 26, balanced out at wide receiver 22 right now. I just don't understand where the volatility is coming from with Traylon Burks. This kid went from being almost a dynasty wide receiver one to a dynasty wide receiver three before he ever even took a snap of football. We had asthma, the, the day. asthma, it was asthma. <laughs> right? Asthma gate. We had, uh, you know, he, he's more concerned with shooting hogs out of helicopters than he is playing football. I mean, people are doing whatever they could to write inflammatory stories about this kid and try to paint him in a negative light. And then he face plants as a rookie, you know, by all intents and purposes, when you look at his output, he face planted as a rookie, but he was injured the entire year. So I don't really know if we can hold that against him. I mean, we should have learned this lesson with Michael Pittman two years ago, that if somebody's just injured multiple times throughout their rookie season, we shouldn't use that as an indictment against their profile. I'm still looking at Traylon Burks as the same guy who was drafted 18th overall in the first round on a team that is desperate for wide receiver one, a, a guy that has game breaking speed can make contested catches, can do so much after the catch. 
I don't understand why he is getting pushed down to where he is right now. I'm still a firm believer in the talent, and I'm not going to penalize him for being injured. It's as simple as that. Really, I wanted Jameson Williams here, but I knew that he wasn't going to make it to me with uh, you picking ahead of me, Alfredo. But I am more than happy to take Traylon Burks here at 107. By the way, quick news update for those of you listening. The Tennessee Titans have released Robert Woods. Not that he was taking a whole bunch of targets away from Traylon Burks, but the road gets a little bit easier. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw this back to you, Dave, really quick. Traylon Burks, we talk about you betting on the talent. How worried are you about the situation in Tennessee where they may not just be like out a quarterback, but they may have to reinvent their offense entirely. Derrick Henry is so close to that age cliff, man. And Ryan Tannehill had injuries and struggles and Malik Willis looked like not good. That's all. That's all. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Not good. So Dave, when you look at these guys, let's say Drake London, Traylon Burks, both very talented, both in situations where things could get reinvented. Who do you have a little bit more confidence in there? I think I've got more confidence in Drake London just because we were able to actually see. You know, he cleared the bar last year. He passed the test by putting up really good numbers and commanding targets. We only saw it really in like two and a half games with Traylon Burks. He had that, what was it, 110-yard performance or something like that. The next week, he had 70 yards and a touchdown. And we finally got to the point where we're like, all right, Traylon Burks is here. He's going to do his thing. And then he had that brutal concussion on the touchdown catch, which I want to point out that he did secure. I mean, just an amazing catch, concussion. Phenomenal play. Uh, you know, not, not even talking about that. But, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like he was finally starting to heat up then. But with Drake London, we saw it over the course of a whole season. With Traylon Burks, we saw it for like a two and a half game sample size. So I've got a little bit more faith in drake london but i still think that burks has every opportunity to break out this year all right we're nearly 20 minutes into this episode and we're only at pick eight so we're gonna hurry through these a little bit more we put a lot of effort into those first few picks all right got a lot just a lot of love so joey you're up at 108 i i think if i saw this correctly you are wearing the shirt yeah yeah you are show the youtube people if you are not subscribed to the football guys youtube channel this is the time this is time. Go subscribe there and look. At that. That's a gorgeous <laughs> Damian Pierce shirt yeah. underneath a denim jacket. Joey Wright is rocking. Yeah. So sometimes you 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 care about a player so much, or you make enough jokes or reference them enough that you go buy the shirt. And uh, so I did. I went and bought the shirt last year, um, and then he got injured the very next week. But that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> so if you're aware of who I am, you know that I have a massive man crush on Damian Pierce. Uh, one of only three rookies atop 1,200 total yards last year. Um, over 75 scrimmage yards in nine of his 13 games. Uh, finished first among rookies in rushing yards per game. And then he finishes the RB21 um, in PPR, which is right around where I'm probably going to be taking him as like a, a low-line RB2. Um, my favorite thing about Damian Pierce is he will just run you over. Um, 27 broken tackles, which was fourth best in the league last year. He trailed Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, and Nick Chubb. And he played four less games than Chubb and Jacobs and three less than Henry. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of people, they like to bring up his draft capital as a reason that Houston could just move on from him. It was a fourth-round pick for the Texans. I get it. Um, when he was at Florida, though, he did not get a lot of mileage on him, which, as a Florida Gator fan, I was furious. Like, please play this guy. But as an NFL fantasy player, I'm excited because he doesn't have that mileage coming into him into the NFL. Um, but the Texans, they made an interesting move last year. When he got hurt and there was four games left in the season, he could have come back with about two or three games to play. But they put him on season-ending IR. I feel like they're protecting the investment. I think Damian Pierce is the real thing, and I was elated to get him here. Yeah, I love that, Joey. You're reading between the lines there that they put him on season-ending IR. They arrested the guy. 
bringing him back healthy for next year. And I, I think there's one thing that if you, if you are a Damian Pierce manager in dynasty, and I know there's a lot of talk about, Oh, sell them now, sell them now cash in. And I get that. I can see both sides of the argument, but also like you're probably going to get another year or two of good production out of Damian Pierce, because a team like the Houston Texans, they're not a couple pieces away from competing. They are rebuilding and rebuilding teams do not invest heavily into positions like the running back. Okay. So Damian Pierce, a guy who's already been successful, I think he's still got plenty of dynasty value. Let's get to pick 109. This was mine. I went with Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of Green Bay. Listen, Christian Watson, man, he had just this kind of crazy stretch. We all know he'd take a little bit of time in the NFL to get going. And when he finally did, <laughs> man, the back end of the season was absolutely nuts. In weeks 10 through 17, he was the wide receiver nine in fantasy points per game. Uh, the only thing I think that makes everybody think twice is just it was a four-game stretch where he scored seven touchdowns. Like, it was just, it was crazy. I can't remember if it was a Sunday night game or Monday night, one of those primetime games where Christian Watson goes out and scores three touchdowns, and we're all just like, oh my, this is this is the guy. Like, this is the new guy. He's he's going to be elite, top-tier wide receiver. And and I think that that's sort of a lot of discussion about him. And you talk about Dave Dynasty values are going all over the place. Christian Watson is all over the place. And I know for best best ballers out there, I know that thing has been skyrocketing up. So uh, there, there's a little bit of concern when it comes to Christian Watson, but I will say this, there's some good peripheral statistics here. He's targeted on 24% of the routes run. That's top 15 in the NFL, third highest in the class behind Olave and London. Okay. And then actually fun, fun little stat here. Uh, okay. Not stat, but a fun tweet from our own Adam Harstad here at football guys who Adam has forgotten more about football than I think anyone, any person will ever know. He is one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to football and statistics. And uh, he took a look at some of the closest comparable rookie seasons to Christian Watson. It belongs to guys like Stefan Diggs, Percy Harvin, Cooper Cup, Devontae Smith, Michael Thomas. These are some very, very good players to be in company with. And listen, there might be some questions about Christian Watson, but I think there's some incredible upside and We've yet to see what Jordan Love is going to bring to the table. So I think that, man, the upside is just, it's so tantalizing when it comes to Christian Watson. Dave, you're going to be up now with pick 10. You took another wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, go ahead and rewind a few minutes. Everything that I said about Traylon Burks, I'm going to say about Jahan Dotson. I mean, this kid <laughs> is a phenomenal talent that was injured his rookie season and has seen his value plummet because of it. And funny enough, Alfredo, I wanted to shout out Adam Harstead as well. Uh, you just talked about his Christian Watson take, but I think he has one of the most succinct and best takes for Dynasty football. And it is do whatever you can to acquire young receivers with first round draft capital. And that's Jahan Dotson. I mean, these guys typically don't bust. For every Jalen Rager you have, you've got 10 guys that are going to give you a wide receiver one season. So I'm just not that concerned about it. Um, these, these guys hit more often than almost anybody else. We are pretty good at projecting wide receiver talent when it comes from college to the pro level. Now, touchdowns are fluky, and they're really hard to predict, but I'm not willing to write off a guy who caught four touchdowns in his first four games. And he's not this big-bodied, red zone, alpha type of wide receiver. He's a small and shifty guy who was shaking defenders yep. out of their boots, blazing past safeties, making contested catches. When I watch this kid play, I see so much of Tyler Lockett just 10 years younger. I got to be honest, I was kind of shocked to see Davian Pierce and Christian Watson go ahead of him. Jahan Dotson just feels like the most often forgotten kid in this draft class. And I think that he's got all the tools to be a very, very good wide receiver with a handful of wide receiver one seasons in his range of outcomes. First of all, not a kid. He's a man. All right. Put some respect <laughs> on Jahan Dotson. Also, don't just sit here and dog our picks. Okay. That's just, just, just highlight yours. Okay. Like be happy I with almost your pick. Jahan Dotson us. over Trailing Burks. Well, that's all I'm going to oh. say. Oh. Where's oh. your Jahan oh. Dotson shirt, Dave? 
Like, show yeah. us that you mean it. You Good know. point. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have a Jahan Dotson shirt. Sit down, Dave. All right, Joey, you're up at pick 11. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> you guys make me laugh. Um, I took Isaiah Pacheco, Super Bowl champion Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, good regular season, though, rookie campaign. Uh, 40 yards shy of 1,000 scrimmage yards. Uh, five touchdowns, 4.9 yards per carry. That's that's sexy for a for a rookie. <laughs> uh, great playoff showing. Uh, Double-digit fantasy points in all three playoff games for the Chiefs this year. Um, at least 13 total touches in each game as well. And then in the biggest game of the season, he led his team in carries and rushing yards. And he had a touchdown, so that's great. Uh, in the 2023 season, what I see from him, uh, Jarek McKinnon, he's been an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he had a great finish to his regular season. I see him testing the market. Um, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's not that guy. You know, the Chiefs, they he has a first-round draft capital, and I think that's a mistake. I mean, they passed over for J- Jonathan Taylor, for goodness sake. So, I, you know, the Chiefs, they can bring him back in 2024, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but they'd owe him $5.4 million, uh, and they wouldn't face any penalty for cutting him. Uh, Pacheco is in the back of uh, the roster for the Chiefs, and I could see even larger workload for him in 2023. Yeah, Dave, and, and for, for Isaiah Pacheco, the Chiefs are likely going to be without your guy, Jarek McKinnon, who was so impressive throughout the year. And Joey, could you like can you, can you say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a few less times, please? Like, there's a lot of PTSD. Every yeah. time you say it, dude, like, I just, I, I cringe. All right, we, I, I'm up here with the last mistakes. pick. <laughs> yeah, well, not everybody can get a t-shirt, right? All right, so last <laughs> pick here of the first round. I took George Pickens, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this was a tough one. It's kind of weird. Like I love George Pickens, the player. I think he's super weird the way he stands in front of the TV and when he watches the draft. And I, I just love his talent, right? Like his film popped for me. I absolutely loved it. But this has been so, this has just been, it, it's, man, the Steelers were just a really odd team. Uh, I think he's got a lot of things that are going against him right now. The quarterback play, he had Trubisky, then it is Pickett as a rookie. And typically you don't see a lot of production for wide receivers with rookie quarterbacks. Offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. We thought we were going to get some sweet release and that he was going to be gone from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And nope, they're bringing him right back. So we can end up with a little bit more of the same. And, and he's also, once again, going to be sharing targets with guys like Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, if he gets a little bit more involved in that passing game, like we saw his rookie year. So there, there's some worry when it comes to George Pickens. And I think that's why he's fallen actually down to, to this spot in 12. Um, in 2022, it was just a lot of inconsistency. He had six finishes as a top 24 wide receiver. Then he also had eight weeks outside of the top 50. You, you didn't really know when you could rely on him. And uh, so much of this, I, I can throw a whole bunch of numbers at you, but basically the problem with George Pickens was, Everything for him was a contested catch. Everything. And it wasn't necessarily because he can't get open. It's a system problem with Matt Canada and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Matt Canada loves to roll out the quarterbacks, get that quarterback, whether it's Pickett or Trubisky, into a half-field set where all he has to do is really look at a half-field, make two reads, a short read or a deep read, and then just toss that ball, <clears throat> toss that ball deep. And for George Pickens, that's all they did. Kenny Pickett had already developed that relationship with him. That's why he kept targeting him so much. Pickens was ninth in the NFL in contested targets, okay? And this was something that really plagued him. It turned into a whole thing about how George Pickens can't get open, and he's out there creating all these highlight catches. And there's another player that's being talked about as a guy, sell him, sell him, sell him in Dynasty. I don't know that I'm quite there yet. I think let's see what happens throughout this year. I'm not willing to cut bait on a guy this early. Um, Some similar guys with similar prospect profiles, similar contested target profiles here in the NFL that he kind of looks like, don't kill me on this, Mike Williams, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins. I'm not saying he's going to be there, but I'm saying there is an avenue to get there. All right, so the talent is there. I'm just hoping that this offense can evolve a little bit. All right, let's get into our second round here. Dave, you are up with the first pick here in the second round. At pick 13. 
You know, this was a really tough pick, and uh, I had three guys that I was uh, happy taking here, and I was hoping that I could take one and then get another one with my next pick, but uh, I think we were all in the same mindset here because go one, two, three. I think all these guys are kind of tiered similar, these, these next picks coming up, but I went with Rashad White, and um, really, I mean, I like a lot of the running backs in this area that were available, but Rashad White, he wrangled the job away from Leonard Fournette by the end of the season, and he earned his role uh, as the passing down and the goal line back, which are the most coveted touches in fantasy football. And he was able to secure both of those roles, which is really, really great to see from a rookie. Real quick, I'm not going to uh, expand on this too much, but we actually got a DM from Rashad White recently. Uh, Hutchison Brown uh, over at Football Guys did a dynasty dissection on Rashad White, and he said that 214 pounds, 5'11", which is what he weighed in and measured at the combine. We got a, a, a DM. The day after from Rashad White saying, hey, appreciate the love, but I am six foot one and 220 pounds. I've grown since the combine. I'm ready for a three down roll. So we have got to take that uh, information and do something with it. I mean, he's got the size. He showed the abilities. There's there's a few things that stick out to me that I'm not crazy about. 3.7 yards per attempt. Not great. His uh, rushing yards over expectation per attempt. Negative. Not great. But he's got the chops to be a PPR machine. He saw 58 targets his rookie season and had the second best catch rate among all running backs. Like I said, there's a lot of really good running backs that we're going to be talking about with these next few picks. But I think giving Rashad White's abilities as a receiving threat, he's got the highest ceiling. Two things about Rashad White. One. A little bit worried about what happens with this offense with no Tom Brady. I felt like so much of his passing and receiving value was tied with Tom Brady. So I'll be curious to see what happens there. Two, how are we not talking about the fact that this man grew two inches in one year and is still going through puberty whilst in the NFL? Dave, I don't care. And you can list all the stats you want. The fact that this guy grew two inches in the NFL, like, what, what are we doing? He shouldn't be at pick 13. No. That's, that's great. I can't even understand it. Like as a Bucks fan, I'm secretly like loving that he DM'd Hutch. Like that makes me so happy because like I just love that initiative. Like let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm wondering every time I create content on a player and I have their name in the title, like are they watching that? Like that's you better be the have their height correct. Damian Pierce, if you're watching this, I'm DMs are open. <laughs> yeah, Damian Pierce is now six foot five, uh, and he hates Joey. He's Wright. got a restraining order by now after everything I said last year. I guarantee it. All right, let's get to pick 14. Joey, you're back on the clock. You took a running back not named Damian Pierce. No. No, I actually took one of my preseason favorite running backs last year. And I just, first off, let me just say, how great was it to see Brian Robinson step on the field last year? Um, in the preseason, he was shot in the leg twice. And we didn't know if we'd ever see him play football. He only missed four games. Uh, came back, uh, started nine of the 12 games he played in, finished with 857 yards and three touchdowns, averaged 17.1 yards carries a game. Uh, he's the commander's early down back going forth. Um, he doesn't break a lot of tackles, which is like the only downside I see about him. Um, and he's not involved too much in the passing downs. That's Antonio Gibson's game there. Um, looking at next year, um, he's the first of the rookie running backs options. I'd say I consider a flex. Um, if you're looking at the, everyone I meant, we mentioned before this, maybe with the exception of Rashad white, I'd say it's probably an RB two. but Brian Robinson, that's when the flex territory starts for me. Um, still involved in the split backfield. Um, but like I mentioned, he should get all the early down work, um, conceding work to Antonio Gibson in the passing game. Um, Washington still has a really good defense, and they allow the seventh least amount of points during the season. In games where the commanders are contending, Robinson's going to be on the field. So I like him a lot next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how Brian Robinson develops here in the NFL. I think I, if I remember this correctly, that within like the past something like the, within the past six or seven years, all the Alabama running backs that have gone to the NFL have been thousand yard rushers. 
So at some point, uh, so I, I think that's going to be really interesting to see if Brian Robinson takes that next step and how much Antonio Gibson holds him back, like you mentioned. So, all right, we'll get to these picks a little bit faster here. We got to get all the way to 24. We're at number 15. Ooh. I took Tyler Algier running back for the Atlanta Falcons, and we talked about Drake London and the Atlanta Falcons, but they've got a lot of good young talent, man. And if they can get the quarterback position going, this offense could actually be kind of dangerous, okay? Tyler Algier had a very impressive rookie season. Took a little bit of time to get going, but he ended up finishing as pro football folks' his highest graded offensive rookie, not just amongst the running backs, amongst every single rookie on offense. He was the highest greatest. He was second in rushing yards among all the rookie running backs with 1,035 just behind Ken Walker. And man, Tyler Algier really didn't get going until later. So imagine had he started the season a bit earlier. Uh, he's averaging nearly five yards per carry. That was eighth in the NFL. He was right there in the same stratosphere as guys like Ramondre Stevenson and Nick Chubb who all had just fantastic seasons. Now, Tyler Algier also started to get a lot of run as the goal line guy. He was three for three on touchdown runs inside the five. And uh, at worst, I think he becomes kind of a, a Jamal Williams type player for the Falcons in 2023. But I think his usage in the passing game, uh, I'm not really worried about Cordero Patterson, who's going to be 32 years old. The Falcons can actually save $2 million by cutting him. But I'm not all that worried about that. I think Tyler Algier is going to be getting a lot more volume going into this season. And we saw that over the last four weeks of the 2022 season, he was averaging over 21 touches per game. So yeah, this Falcons offense who really love to run the ball, they could be just giving that thing to Tyler Algier 20 plus times a game in 2023. Now, Alfredo, I don't want to take over. Um, I'm actually corroborating your take here, but I actually, like I said, you know, I was kind of torn between three guys here. And now after making these picks a few days later, in hindsight, I wish I would have taken Tyler Algier. I just wrote an article today where I was talking about my favorite dynasty buys. And the more I dove into Tyler Algier, the more there is to like, um, let me just throw this out here real quickly. 0.75 rushing yards over expectation per attempt. I talk about that stat a lot. It is one of my favorite efficiency metrics. That was ninth best in the NFL. He was the ninth most efficient runner. He was top 20 in juke rate, evaded tackles, breakaway run rate, yards per touch. And he did all of this while seeing a stacked front, eight or more guys in the box on 23% of his carries, which was the eighth most in the league. So this guy had the chips stacked against him and still had one of the most effective seasons of all running backs. So I'm with you. That's a great pick there. All right, Dave, here at pick 16, you took a guy. I think you just like to say his name. And I think that's why you picked him. Tell us who you picked here. I also like looking at his hair and his mustache. I mean, he's just so dreamy out there, the way it just flows. All right, we'll field. stop talking about Joey Wright and get to your pick. <laughs> uh, I was really torn between Greg Dulcich and Trey McBride here. Uh, you know, Trey McBride's got the draft capital, and he looked really good in the opportunities last year. But when it comes to being a pass-catching tight end, a pure pass-catching tight end, I think that's where Dulcich has the advantage over Trey McBride here. And when looking at his air yard share and his PFF grade, combining those together for some comps, he is in company with Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, this kid looked like, I'm sorry, this man looked like the real deal last year. Realistically, he's got a path to be number one on the team in targets. Uh, you know, there, there, there isn't a ton of competition. Cortland Sutton hasn't looked like himself since the injury. Uh, Jerry Judy looked great at the end of the season, but I'm not sure if he's got that alpha build where he can be the number one guy Dulcich could be in line for 100 120 targets next year his 17.2 percent target share was 13th best among all tight ends his air yard share was seventh best among all tight ends and he was top 10 in separation and cushion this guy looks like a wide receiver out there and i think that he's got a massive ceiling all right let's get to our next one we're gonna move a little bit faster through these joey you were up on the clock at pick 17 
Yeah, I mean, if you guys were wondering if it was possible to do robust RB in a, in a draft between three people, it absolutely is, because I'm taking all the running backs, apparently. I took James Cook uh, on the season, 89 carries, 507 yards, two touchdowns, uh, with 21 receptions for 180 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and of the running backs with over 75 carries, he finished second behind only Brees Hall in yards per carry. Um, I feel like James Cook was one of the most popular uh, rookie running backs coming into the season, most beloved, and it just took a while to get going. But once around week 10 hit, there was a shift where him and Devin Singletary really started to split the game, and you really started to see him get some work. Um, in the two playoff games, the Bills continued to split carries between Cook and Singletary, um, but Cook didn't get targeted in the passing game whatsoever like he was earlier in the regular season. So that was kind of odd to see. But looking into next year, Devin Singletary is a free agent, which could be the biggest thing for Cook. Um, although this Bills team seems like they're ready to win now, I would not be shocked if they go out and get a, a veteran running back to compliment Cook. And if that's so, it's going to limit his upside. But I still do like him a little bit. And he's on the Bills. Great team. Great player. Well, we're getting here to pick 18. And, you know, we're, we're just going to go over the time. That's fine. Sorry, Joe. Like, he, Sorry. That's, I, that's all I got for you, man. At pick 18 here. I took Trey McBride tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. Dave, you mentioned him as the, the tight end that got the draft capital, the tight end that looked really good down the stretch there at the end. And this was my tight end one in the class. Greg Dulcich was a close tight end two. And I think that was, it was like that for a lot of people, but there's another guy that it's a projection, right? It's a projection. We're, we're just talking about what he was able to do in the final four weeks of the season last year, where he was averaging 10 points per game. He was the top 12 tight end in points per game. Now, Zach Ertz, who was the, the starting tight end there in Arizona, Torres ACL and MCL back in December of 2022. Remember, we talked about Jamison Williams, a guy that tore his ACL and think about how long it took him to get back onto the playing field. This is a guy that tore his ACL in January of, of 2022. He wasn't active till week 13. So don't be surprised if this takes Zach Ertz quite a while to get back onto the field. And you know what? The team could actually cut him and save $2.6 million. He's 32 years old. He's coming off a horrible knee injury. I know we don't want to hope for these guys to get hurt or hope for these guys to get cut, but it is something that could be done with a new general manager, a new coach in town, and uh, possibly a big rebuild on the way. So this could be something where we see even DeAndre Hopkins getting traded, and there could be a lot of opportunity for Trey McBride, a guy who I really love the talent. And let's I just want to mention something really quick. The Arizona offensive coordinator, who's now in charge of calling plays over there, he has been with Kevin Stefanski in both Cleveland and Minnesota, where he had stints as the tight end coach, the quarterback coach. And those have always been very tight end heavy schemes. So I would not be surprised if we see a little bit more tight end utilization there in Arizona. Trey McBride could be one of those breakout tight ends next year. All right, let's get to pick 19 where Dave, what are you doing? What are you doing? I, I can back this one up, but yeah. I know it sounds crazy. We actually had a first round rookie quarterback last year, and I am taking Mr. Irrelevant ahead of him. I'll I'll be the first to admit this was kind of a vibe pick. Um, you know, I was just feeling it at the time. Then I started looking into it, and I think that it's actually the right choice to make. Uh absolutely. Brock Purdy is the much riskier asset, but the ceiling is so much higher. Purdy's worst fantasy outing last year, 19.3 points, was better than Kenny Pickett's best fantasy outing, 19.06 oh. points. So, I mean, really, what we're looking at here is a, a a floor that is higher than Kenny Pickett's ceiling. And I know the UCL injury knocks him back. We don't even know if he's going to play at all. Lance is probably starting in 2023. It looks like Purdy is having you know some sort of setbacks here. But the fact of the matter is that Purdy's going to be under contract for the next three years. He's not going anywhere in San Francisco. Trey Lance hasn't been able to stay healthy. The way I look at 
Purdy in a weird way is almost as a handcuff to Trey Lance. You never think about handcuffing quarterbacks, but given Kyle Shanahan's history for just getting his quarterbacks injured, I think it makes sense to draft Purdy knowing that even if you don't get a chance to play him, if and when you do get to plug him in your lineup, you're looking at a guy who has a QB1 outcome every single week. So a very weird pick, but here at this point in the draft where we're midway through the second, I think you're swinging for upside and Purdy has the highest upside of any quarterback. Dave, I think the first step when making a weird pick is just admitting that it's a weird pick. So yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of the step forward that you've taken. Joey, you're up at pick 20. Uh, not a weird pick. Congrats, buddy. You took the quarterback that had some draft capital. Yeah, it's a Kenny Pickett. And, but it's funny because I had the reverse of what Dave did. Like, Dave didn't take Pickett. And I was like, ha, I'm going to take Kenny Pickett. And then I was like, man, should I have taken Brock Purdy? <laughs> Once I started looking into Kenny Pickett, um, didn't have the greatest season last year. It kind of should have been maybe an indicator when he was the only quarterback taken in the first two rounds of maybe that quarterback class wasn't too great. Um, you know, Pickett started 12 games for the Steelers. Um, he averaged 184.9 passing yards per game. Gross. The less to, less than the desirable seven to nine touchdown to interception ratio. Um, he did finish top 12 in rushing yards per game among qualifying quarterbacks. And that was me scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I'm find sure something he nice did. To say about him. <laughs> um, because 237 total yards rushing at three touchdowns is not going to compensate for that lack of passing work. Um, he's really only rosterable in super flex and two quarterback leagues. Um, Pittsburgh still might bring in a veteran quarterback to let Pickett grow a little bit more. That's not a hands joke. He just needs to grow a little more. Um, <laughs> although, let me say something nice about Pickett. He did win five out of his last six games he started for the Steelers, and they almost made the playoffs. Hometown kid. Um, I do think he'll start for the quarterback position for the Steelers next year, but it's just, uh, it's, it's not it's not pretty. <laughs> Yeah, if Kenny Pickett needs any help with growing, apparently Rashad White's got him covered there. Like, Kenny Pickett can get two extra inches on those hands. No problem. No problem. Just slide in the DMs. Real quickly, I decided to pull up Kenny Pickett's player profiler page and just scroll through, see what he ranked best in. (laughs) He ranked best in offensive line protection. That was his best stat. was his offensive (laughs) line protecting him. Outside of that, he's not top 10 in anything. Kenny Pickett for the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) All right, let's get here. We're down to our final few picks, and I think this is where you start to swing for the fences a bit more. You start to notice that with picks like Kenny Pickett and Brock Purdy. So uh, I kind of did the same, and this is my Rick Astley never going to give you up pick right here. I picked 21. I went with Sky Moore, the wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Okay, you know what? Let's look for positive stats here. Sky Moore led all rookies in Super Bowl touchdown reception. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, was, he was good in the Super Bowl on that one play where he got targeted on a trick. You know, it was good. It was good. Uh, but as of right now, there's a, li- there's a glimmer of hope still. Okay, it's a young guy, a good prospect profile, and, and he's probably really cheap to acquire in your dynasty leagues if, if that manager is now, you know, frustrated with him. But Juju Smith-Schuster and McCall Harden are going to be free agents. Kansas City would save nearly $7 million by cutting Marquez Valdez-Scantling before uh, March 17th. And Kadarius Tony was acquired for a, a late third. He took over a lot of the punt return duties, gadget roll stuff. And um, I think that both of these guys can coexist pretty well. I think there's still a world where Juju Smith-Schuster probably comes back or another veteran wide receiver like a Jacoby Myers ends up in Kansas City. So I, I do think that there is all still that possibility. But this is a top-tier prospect profile, second-round draft capital. Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback, potentially massive opportunity on a team that could go back to the Super Bowl again. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. When the offense is that good, the, the prospect profile is that good. I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. Let's get to pick 22. Dave, 
you took another wide receiver. Yeah, and I mean, this talks a lot about just how I like to play Dynasty. I think that wide receivers are much safer assets. Um, so I went with Rondale, Wobin- Wondale Robinson here. <laughs> Rondale <Ooh>. Robinson. <laughs> Struggled to get that one out. Um, obviously, I think that there's a discount here because of his ACL tear, because when we were doing drafts last year, before the season, he was typically going in the early second round. And then really, when we saw him on the field, he was fantastic. It's just that ACL tear and the size, I think, that are scaring people off a little bit. But he didn't have enough volume to qualify. But he had a 27.7% target share in the games that he played. Would have been the best among all rookies and really would have been one of the best in the NFL in general. I mean, this guy, when he was on the field, was commanding a ton of targets. And now looking at the Giants, Tony's gone. Ingram is gone. Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard are probably gone. Realistically, I mean, this guy's going to be competing with Isaiah Hodges and the ghost of Kenny Galladay. I'm really not that scared (laughs) that Wandale Robinson can establish himself as a wide receiver one here. Um, Even if they bring in a vet or draft a wide receiver this year, his skill set is so unique that they're going to have to find ways to get the balls in his hands. He's a ceiling pick here, immense upside. He definitely has a shaky floor given the injury history and the size, but uh, I I still really like the player. Joey, you are up at pick 23, and you took my favorite name in the entire draft. Yep. As far as the fun names to say draft, I got the 101. Chico Conquo, uh, in 2022, started eight games for the Titans. Took a little while to get on the field. Um, but from week 9 to 18, he was the tight end 10 in PPR. Um, looking at next year, uh, Austin Hooper's a free agent, um, and they just promoted Tim Kelly to offensive coordinator. And when he was with the Houston Texans, his tight ends averaged about 20% target share. Um, it's usually split between two tight ends, but what we saw from Chico Conquo, there's no reason that he could not be what we're looking for when we're trying to find a tight end in a position that's kind of shallow. Yeah, I, I think Chico Conquo, he possesses some athleticism that there's really, you don't find that in a lot of tight ends, especially just even the tight ends that are on the Tennessee Titans there. So uh, we, we saw him perform pretty well in, in the short amount of time that he was able to really come up towards the end of the season there became a really popular name as a waiver wire ad and in the dynasty uh, community now i'm up with the last pick here and i think this one's going to surprise a couple people and whatever i've surprised a lot of people with my picks throughout this and it's khalil shakir the wide receiver for the buffalo bills and this is another player who i absolutely loved the draft prospect profile on him i loved his film and i think he actually still landed in a pretty good spot despite not getting a whole lot of productivity in his first year he got more opportunities when it mattered when they got to the playoffs, the Buffalo bills, he had five receptions on seven targets for 91 yards in those two games. And uh, he was coming up clutch in moments where the team really needed him. He had the fourth best percentage rate of getting open versus single man coverage amongst all wide receivers, according to pro football focus and best amongst all rookies. So this is a guy that in a bind, he was open. Like he was, he was open almost always when he was on the field. It was just a matter of, is Josh Allen going to start looking his way? We know that Josh Allen likes to throw to the slot receivers. We saw Isaiah McKenzie, maybe a little bit more suited for a gadget role. Gabe Davis didn't really step up for the bills. Like so many had hoped. And now they have a new wide receiver coach, Adam Henry. And he's had a really strong slot wide receiver at every stop of his career, whether it's been Jarvis Landry in Cleveland, Sterling Shepard on the giants, CD lamb, his rookie year with the Dallas Cowboys got put into that role. I think that a guy like Khalil Shakir who has that versatility to go inside or outside uh, could look really good in that slot role. Well, boys, we did it. We went a little bit over. Uh, We talked about 24 different sophomore second-year players going into the next season and how we feel about them in Dynasty. That is all for us this week. And for myself, for Dave Cluey, and for Joey Wright, adios.